Hi everyone and welcome to our new era podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can reach out to us through our website, which is www.neweraproperty.solutions.co.uk, or you can call us in the office on 01886 834800, or you can grab us at our Facebook page, which is the HMO Community Group. It's Cup of Tea with Rick G and today I want to go through our top 10 tips of do's with HMO property and 10 of our top don'ts with HMO property. Now we might have to spread this over two podcasts because it might go on for a little while but firstly I wanted just to discuss with you what my thoughts were about the future of HMOs. Now HMOs are the lifeblood of our business, that's what we do, that's how we make our money and there's a lot of banter and a lot of chatter out there about the future of HMOs and you know are they going to be sustainable moving forwards because it seems that everybody else out there is doing HMOs and you know how long um, is is there left for you know this particular strategy well here's my thoughts firstly we live on an island and we're not growing any more land and secondly there will always be the need for housing because we have a massive housing shortage in the country doesn't ever seem to get any better despite promises made by the government so what we do is we provide some high quality living accommodation for people that just cannot afford to get on the housing market. Now, I personally don't think that that's going to go away. I think it's going to be around forever because some people don't really have the the want to own their own property. They're quite happy with uh, informal arrangements when it comes to you know, being able to give notice quite quickly and um, most occasions within four weeks. And they can move around the country or, you know, just be free as they want to be. So in my personal point of view, I think that the industry is going to be here for a lot longer yet. Now, in terms of how... How sustainable is the strategy because lots of other people are getting into HMOs? Well, that's absolutely fine. You know, it's a big country. There are lots of people that want to rent and it's about keeping yourself head and shoulders above everybody else. So it's about having the best rooms, about having a great service. And I would emphasize personally on the service because I think people buy into service more so now than they ever used to. So we have a great service, we have a great maintenance team, we do really good high quality standard rooms at affordable prices. So that's my point of view, you know, for what it's worth. Um, I think the industry is going to be here for a lot longer yet. So recently we had a a magazine article um, that was published uh, in HMO magazine and we published 22s and 20 don'ts when it comes to what we do and what we don't do in HMO. So I want to share a few of those tips with you today. So, number one, do ensure that your tenants pay their rent on the first of the month. Okay, so we do it on the first of the month. Now, there's a reason behind that, and it's so easy for us to be able to reconcile our books once a month instead of having to do it three four five six seven eight nine times so when we check a tenant in 
we use standing orders. We don't use direct debits because direct debits for us um, are costly and we have a, a large portfolio. So we do standing orders which are free. It's the only piece of paper that we have. We don't have any other paperwork because we are all in the cloud. But we do stipulate that tenants have to pay their rent on the first of the month. And if they move in, partway through the month, then we simply take the rest of the month pro rata. So it's a really simple system and it works really effectively. So on the first of the month, all the rent comes in. By the end of the day, we should have all of our money in and we can reconcile. If we have any late payers, then of course we can deal with it, but we only have to do it once. So you can focus your energy elsewhere once you adopt this strategy. So folks, top tip number one, do ensure that your tenants pay on the first of the month and we do it via standing order. Number two, do have an easy to understand maintenance policy, which by the way, shouldn't be you. So our maintenance policy is really easy. We have a job, we call it a job mobile phone in the company name and that goes to our maintenance engineer. So you can source a maintenance engineer from maybe a local trade magazine. You know the sort. Uh, trade magazines are where all of your local tradespeople would advertise for electricians or gas engineers or um, window uh, engineers, if you like, cleaners, all that sort of thing. And everyone in every area generally has a trade magazine. Uh, in there, you'll also find people that are advertising for property maintenance. So all you need to do is give them a call and say, hey, I'm an investor and I'm looking to change my maintenance policy. We've got a specific mobile phone and we give that number to all of our tenants. But what we'd like you to do is hold that mobile phone. Are you prepared for our tenants to call you directly on our own phone? And of course, they're going to say yes. Why wouldn't they? And all we do then is when we check our tenants in, we give them one number and that's the maintenance number. And the great thing is about this policy is that you don't need to tell the tenants if the engineer goes off sick or if he leaves or he goes on holiday. All you have to do is take the phone back off him and either for that period of time, keep it yourself or give it to somebody else. So you don't need to tell the tenants anything. Once they check in, they get given one number and that's the number they call for all things maintenance. Now, you're going to have to try and test it. Uh, you're going to have to work out, you know, which is the right maintenance person for you and how trustworthy are they going to be and how much do you pay them, etc. Now, we pay a retainer. Um, a, a small retainer of £25 a week um, to our maintenance engineer. And that is just for the privilege of them holding the phone. They have their own policy that they will only answer calls between certain times, which is fine. And we give them a budget. So we say, look, you can attend any job that you get given, provided it doesn't cost us any more than £150. If it goes above that, then you will need to get authorization from someone from the office. And that's our policy. It's so simple. And we've been operating that for a long, long time. We never have any issues. And it really just means that we are um, set, we're putting 
a, a policy in place that the, the office doesn't have to take any maintenance calls. It gets bypassed, goes straight to the maintenance engineer. And it works really, really well, folks. If you're not sure about adopting that kind of policy, then feel free to drop me a line on the, uh, the office email or give us a call and I can talk you through it. But it will really change the way you do things. So that's our top tip number two. Top tip number three is do always use a good quality mattress protector. Even if you don't take deposits or you do take deposits, you know, whatever your policy is. Now for us, it works really well for us that we don't take deposits from our tenants. Now that's because it's our own portfolio. We don't manage rooms for other people. So the risk is entirely our own but what we do do is we have a policy regarding mattresses and the mattress policy is literally if you soil the mattress you pay for a new one so when they check in we take a photograph when they check out we take a photograph and we check to see there's no damage to the mattress so to prevent any soiling or damage to the mattress then we always advise that you get a great quality mattress protector so one of the quilted tight ones that's nice and comfortable for them to sleep on and we do pay for those ourselves uh, they cost about 15 pounds each and every time a, a tenant checks in we will change the mattress protector so they get a brand new one but that will save your mattress from having stains on it and coffee stains and things like that and it'll be nice and fresh for your next person to check in so for a small investment of about 15 pounds it's worth every penny our top tip number four always install thumb turned style locks on all of your bedroom doors now if you have a property or you take an hmo that's got the old yale style lock on the bedroom door um, you will find or you might find that you're getting call outs all the time for tenants locking themselves out because the the downside of that type of system is that as soon as the tenant walks out of the door and the automatic door closer on top shuts behind them then they can't get back in if they've not got their key so what we do is if we ever take on a property that has this type of locking system then we will change it and if it is Yale, if there are already Yale type systems on the door, then you can change the mechanism to a similar locking system called a roller bolt night latch, which will not allow the door to lock when it closes. You have to physically lock it with a key. But where possible, we use something that's called a, a Euro cylinder thumb turn, which means that the tenant physically has to use a key when they lock the door behind them so they can not lock themselves out. It's absolutely impossible. So do yourselves a favor if you are taking on property that already has any kind of you know locking system on the bedroom doors and I'm sure they will make sure it's not going to cost you lots of money in call out fees so always make sure that you either change them the other option could be installing a key safe and putting spare keys inside the property so if a tenant does lock themselves out then when they do call the engineer all they have to do is supply the code so it's entirely up to you um it's kind of quite expensive if you've taken on a big property that's got yale locks already um in order to change each lock you know it, it could cost you quite a lot of money so there's an alternative there with key safes we do both we have key safes in each property as well but if you do do key safes make sure that every room has its own individual key safe so if they do have to be provided with the code to get in then they've only got access to their own room and nobody else's 
top tip number five. Um, we spoke about key saves on the last tip, so um, let's continue with that a little bit. So we always provide key safes on the outside of the property and on the inside of the property. Now, we don't go for the master key lock systems because they're really expensive and you've still got to carry a key with you. And if you have an engineer that needs to get access to the property in an emergency, you still need to provide them with the key too. So what we do, we provide uh, police approved and there are certain police approved key safes on the market. And we always put one outside the property in an inconspicuous place somewhere that um, it's not too obvious. And in there we'll have a key to the front door or the back door of the property. Now that's not for the tenants. That's merely just for us so we can get into the property if we need to. And on the inside of the property, we do the same. So we'll have um, a key safe for each room and inside the key safe will be just the key to that room on the inside. And that's not for the tenants either. It's for us and our staff and our cleaner so we can get into the property anytime we want to. But the great thing is, if a tenant locks themselves out or if they forget their key or lose their key, then all they have to do is call the maintenance number. The maintenance team will provide them with the key safe code for their room or the front door and they will stay on the line whilst the tenant opens their room in order to make sure that the tenant replaces the key into the key safe because it can't be seen as um, somewhere for them just to store their keys. Um, it is simply just an emergency measure if they lose their key. And then what will happen is um, the engineer or the cleaner will go out um, on their next round and they will change the code to the key safe um, just to protect the key that's inside it. And it's a really, really good system. It's really foolproof and it costs about £25 per key safe as opposed to, you know, £500 or more for a master key system. That's what we do. Always check with your insurance provider to see if they're happy with that kind of system. Um, but, you know, we've been operating this for years and years. We've never had a problem. And a few people have, you know, they come back and say, well, okay, what happens if somebody tries to break in those key safes are really easy to get inside at the end of the day folks you have to take a sensible approach to this and if somebody wants to break into your property it's very unlikely that they're going to stand at the front of the house with a sledgehammer or an oxyacetylene torch kit and try and get into the key safe in order to get the key to get inside the house they are more likely to go around the back and kick the back door in so, you know, we've got to be pragmatic about it. If someone's going to try and break into your house, they're going to try and break in regardless. And the fact that you've got a key safe there is not, um, not going to be an easy option for them. There are easier ways for people to get into property. Trust me, I'm an ex-policeman. Top tip number six. Now, this is a really good tip, folks, okay? Now, this is in terms of tenant referencing. Always, always Google search your tenant because you will be really, really surprised on what the search might come back with. Now, it's a free service, and we never used to do this. And for those of you that have read my book, House Arrest, 
um, and those that maybe have seen me talk on stage, um, you know, we, we learned the hard way with this. And we, we, we used to take tenants on without Google searching them. And, you know, to our dismay, found out later that they'd got serious criminal records. Now, all you've got to do is search their first name, their last name and the area and just see what comes back. Now, if they've got a criminal record and they were convicted, then there's a very good chance that the local paper would have reported on it. And you'll find this when it comes back. It's a really easy way to double check to see if your tenant is suitable or not. Now you've still got to do all the other tenant referencing as well. Make sure they've got no county court judgments and make sure that, you know, the affordability factor is there. But it's a really great tip, folks. So always Google search your tenant. Top tip number seven. Now, HMOs are, by sheer nature, very busy properties. I've got several people living in them and not everybody is as tidy as you and I. <laughs> so let's start in the kitchen. So sometimes kitchens in HMOs get really messy and all it takes is one person to leave their sink, uh, sorry, that not their sink, <laughs> one person to leave a dish in the sink and then, you know, somebody else will come across and say, well, look, I'm not watching the, not washing those dishes, so I'm just going to leave mine on top. And then the situation just escalates. And before you know it, the kitchen just turns into a, a massive unwashed, dirty dishes. So what we do is we employ a cleaner. Now, we're really fortunate in our company. We've had the staff for many years and we've got a, a fantastic cleaner that will go into the property once a fortnight. And they won't just clean, but they tidy up and they clean the kitchen as well. And that includes is washing the dishes now we have to pay them a little bit more for that but it reaps rewards because you're never going to be able to control the cleaning in your hmo completely because you can't be mum and dad you know we've got to be sensible about it and as long as every two weeks the property is brought back to default position and it's to the standard that we want it, at least we know that we are keeping on top of it. And it's a great service for the tenants and it's a great upsell when you're advertising for your rooms as well. But here's something. When you employ your cleaner, also ask them to provide bin bags because the other thing with tenants is that they don't, they generally don't talk to each other an awful lot and they won't provide bin bags. They won't pay for them. So if somebody else uses the last bin bag, they would rather fill the bin without a bin bag in it, um, full of rubbish, rather than go out and buy some more bin bags. Or they will call you and they will say, we've got no bin bags. Can you provide some more? I'm not doing it again because... I did it last week. So to prevent all of that, if you ask your cleaner to provide a roll of bin bags every time they go to the property, you won't hear a thing from them again. And, you know, we we learned the hard way again with this. So for the sake of £3 a roll, it's a really good tip for you and something that I really think you should adopt. So the cleaner that we use is self-employed. Um, we provide the Hoover um, I mean, you always use Henry's, by the way, folks, and every one of our properties, we have Henry Hoover's because they're just so robust. They go on forever and ever. You pay a bit more for them, but like everything in life, you get what you pay for. And our cleaner provides their own products and they just add them to the bill. So it's leveraging your time and it works really, really well. Top tip number eight. 
I'm going to talk about utilities and power. So, you know, you've got to watch the power because, again, with HMOs are busy properties. People then, you know, tend to leave lights on and they tend not to look after the property as well as perhaps they would if they were paying their own bills. So a great idea here is to have some of the the sensors, you know, the infrared sensors, it'll turn the lights on in the hallways that stay on for maybe a minute or two and then switch themselves off. It's a great idea. That wouldn't work in living rooms and kitchens um, because otherwise I'd have to keep getting up and waving their arms underneath the the, the PIR sensors to, to get them to come on. The other thing is as well um, is making sure that you use the correct bulbs, making sure that the, the bulbs are low wattage bulbs, uh, the best ones that you can get on the market, you know, keeping the energy levels down as, as much as you can. But while we're on the subject of utilities, what we want to do is talk to you a little bit about heating and, and how you can control your thermostats in HMO properties. So the first thing you need to be aware of is that you've got to, by law, allow the tenant access to the heating system 24 hours a day. So if they get cold in, in the night time, you have to be able to allow them to boost the system or to turn the system up, and not just the night time, of course, all the way through the day. So you can't lock the thermostat, you can't hide the thermostat. Um, at the end of the day, we are providing good housing for people and we want people to stay with us. So, you know, we're not going to... Um, we're not going to not allow them to have access to their heating. So, you know, I, I get the fact that um, we've still got to control the, the usage and make sure that it doesn't run away with us. So here's what we do. There are lots of systems on the market at the moment that you, allow you to control the heating remotely. Things like Glide, um, Nest and other, other products on the market. And what they will do is they will allow the tenant to boost the heating, they will allow the tenant to turn the heating up and down, but it also allows you to have some degree of control. So you can log on to the system, and if it's at 35 degrees and you know outside it's you know it's a nice hot sunny day, etc., then you can put the default back to your setting, which generally is 21 degrees in the communal rooms and 18 degrees in the bedrooms. So it's a bit of a ping pong game. Um, and what we're not doing is taking away the control from the tenant. You know, they have to remain in control of that's really important. So we use Hive for that. Another great way is if you've got a cleaner that goes around to the property once a week or once a fortnight, ask them to check the heating, check the thermostat to make sure that it's at an acceptable level. And we don't want the heating on with all the windows in the house open trying to control the temperature. So by doing all of that, then you should be able to keep on top of your utilities. Um, but, you know, the one biggest thing from this, folks, is that, you know, you can't hide your thermostat and you can't lock it away. OK, so that's really important. Top tip number nine. With HMOs, it's really important that you join a professional body. So if you are an agent or a property manager, then you will be required to join a government redress scheme. Uh, this is a professional body that is designed to deal with any complaints made by tenants. Um, so, you know, it's really important. I mean, I know most of you on the podcast will probably know this already. So forgive me. But there are some people that don't know. So, you know, that's why we include it in here, because it's really important. So there are a couple of schemes out there. One is called the Property Ombudsman. 
and the other one is called the Property Redress Scheme. So take a look online, Property Ombudsman or the Property Redress Scheme, and have a look which scheme um, that you would like to join. They're both pretty similar. It's not too expensive, but it is a legal requirement, folks, if you're going to be acting as an agent or a property manager. So take a look at that and get yourself subscribed onto one of the schemes. Top tip number 10. Do be data compliant. Now, we are going through some changes with data protection. And I think next year we're going to be seeing some harder data protection laws coming in in order to um, to allow the uh, the person to be have the right to be forgotten, etc. So it's really important that you're up to speed with data protection. So first of all, you need to be registered. As soon as you start taking details from third parties and tenants and holding them, then you need to be compliant for data protection. So if you have a look at the ICO, so it's www.ico, that's India Charlie Oscar. .org.uk. Now that's the Information Commission's Office. Information Commissioner's Office. And they have a website there. They've got a small little test to take that um, you have to complete. Once you've completed it, they will tell you whether they think you need to be registered for the ICO or not. But it's really important that we stay compliant with everything that we do. So if you're not sure or if you're not registered yet with the Information Commissioner's Office, then take a look at www.ico.org.uk. So I hope you found that useful, folks. That is the first 10 out of our 20 top do's for HMOs. Um, we're probably going to do this over a series of about four cup of tea with Rick G podcasts. And the next one's going to be another 10 of do's. And then we'll go on to our top 20 of don'ts for HMOs. So like always, if you need to reach out to me, um, our details are at the beginning of the podcast. Love to hear from you folks and have a great day.